The Something Patriots podcast is presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. If you've put off any medical care due to COVID-19, please don't delay it any longer. RWJ Barnabas Health has taken every precaution and continues to provide health care services in adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. This includes stringent cleaning and disinfection throughout all facilities and screening everyone for symptoms and temperature upon entry. Learn more at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together. Welcome to the Something Patriots podcast presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, a podcast where we talk a little something about the Somerset Patriots. Game over, series over, 27 up and 27 down for Teasley. The Patriots are your 2015 Atlantic League champions. Patriots win another Atlantic League title. Warning track ball, gone, home run for Corey Aldridge, his third blast of the game. It's a walk-off grand slam. It is gone, ball game over, series over, and Patriots are the 2008 Atlantic League champions. On 1450 WCTC, WCTCAM.com, and where podcasts are available. A pleasant hello and welcome to the Something Patriots podcast, where we talk a little something about the Somerset Patriots. Today's episode is playing live at 6 p.m. on our new time slot of Thursday night on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com, and is also available on most podcast streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and of course, on SomersetPatriots.com as well. On this week's episode, we'll do a full breakdown of week one of the Somerset Professional Baseball Series, including Friday night's surprisingly convincing win for the New Jersey Blasters and Saturday night's walk-off win for the Somerset Patriots, Plus, in the second segment, we'll do a full preview of this weekend's upcoming games, as well as more storylines to follow. And our guest this week is current Blasters cleanup hitter and outfielder Zach Rekusen. Rekusen made his professional debut with the Patriots back in 2017, so we'll talk about his road to the Atlantic League, what the beginning steps of this current series were like for him, and the experience of finally being back on the playing field in 2020. All of that and more in today's packed episode. So let's get into the news. What's going on, fans? We're back! That's right, we are back indeed. Baseball, for the first time in 2020, returned to TD Bank Ballpark this past weekend, and honestly, for the first time in the state of New Jersey in 2020 when the Somerset Professional Baseball Series officially kicked off a series of 12 games between the Somerset Patriots and the New Jersey Blasters. The first game was played this past Friday on July 17th. The Patriots were the home team. The Blasters were the road team in front of a sold-out crowd of 500 fans, of course, staying in accordance to the health and safety guidelines put forward by the state of New Jersey. Baseball finally returned, and it provided a pretty surprising win for some. Uh, it, it's no surprise necessarily to this pod. We've mentioned it before, especially in last week's episode, uh, that the New Jersey Blasters were going to surprise some people. But I don't know if even I thought that that surprise was going to come so early in the Somerset Professional Baseball Series. And it came in Game 1, and it came immediately right off the bat. I mean, the Blasters took Game 1 over the Somerset Patriots by a final score of 7-2. to two, But the Blasters, for lack of a better way of saying it, blasted out in front. Uh, in the first inning, a couple of batters in, it was Martin Figueroa who drew a two-out walk in the top of the first, stole second, and then Zach Recusen, who is our guest on this week's pod, uh, brought Figueroa home from second base with a two-out RBI single, and that was working against David Kubiak, who was the best starting pitcher in the Atlantic League in 2019 and one of the all-time great starting pitchers in the history of the Somerset Patriots, and that really set the tone for the entire evening in that game one, of course, the Patriots responded in the bottom of the first inning. They got an RBI single with two out from Dan Valerio, who really had himself a very strong weekend. Uh, but later in that game, specifically in the third inning, uh, the Blasters, they had something to prove Friday night. They put out a four spot 
on David Kubiak and the Patriots in the top of the third inning of that game. Um, an RBI double from Tommy McCarthy, a two-run single from Rob Calabrese, uh, and then David Kubiak was done after two and a third innings worth of work. He exited. Max Herman came in, a Rutgers product, a uh, member of the Angels organization for quite some time. Uh, and Louis Martini, the first batter that Herman faced, hit an RBI triple to score a run. And David Kubiak's line was done after two and a third innings, a, a surprising outing for Kubiak. He allowed five runs, all of which were earned. There was some sloppy defense in that first game from the Patriots. Uh, five errors from the team, all of those coming in the first three innings, so likely working some kinks out. Uh, but still, five errors is not something that you want to see. If it was a single game in 2019, uh, that would have been the most errors for the Patriots in any game for that entire season. Uh, and they did it within the first three innings of the game Friday night. Certainly settled down after that point. Uh, but the Blasters, after that big four-run top of the third, were leading 5-1. to one. The Patriots got another run back in the bottom of the third on an RBI sacrifice fly from Dan Valerio. But after that point, they were shut down. In fact, the last hit recorded by a Somerset Patriot in Friday night's game was by Justin Pacioli with nobody out in the bottom of the third inning. The bullpen for the Blasters after the third inning was dominant. Vin Mazzara was the starting pitcher for the Blasters. He allowed two runs over three innings of work. But after that point, the combination of Sean Caselica, Michael Lapresti, Ryan Williamson, who we'll get to in a moment, and Vin Aiello all combined to toss four scoreless and hitless innings of relief against the Patriots. Uh, meanwhile, the Blasters would add another run in the top of the seventh inning. Louis Martini with a two-out RBI infield single. Martini finished the day with two runs batted in. And the Blasters in the first game of the SPBS, they took down the Patriots 7-2. to two. Uh, The winning pitcher was Ryan Williamson uh, because no starting pitcher went more than three innings in the ballgame. So the win goes to the top relief pitcher. And Williamson was dominant. He tossed one scoreless inning of relief. He faced three batters. He struck out two of them. And the Blasters, all of a sudden, after one game, jumped out to a lead over the Patriots in the overall standings. Now, it certainly was surprising for a couple of reasons. It was tough to know exactly what the Patriots were going to get out of a lot of their lineup, and it was tough to know what the Blasters were going to get out of theirs. But one of the more sure things going into the series, at least from a Patriots perspective, was David Kubiak. And Kubiak certainly struggled on the mound, again, allowing five runs all earned over two and a third innings. Good for now, a 19.29 earned run average. Uh, so the Blasters jumped on him early, but another big storyline in that game was Zach Rakusen for the New Jersey Blasters. He went three for three from the plate. Uh, he had four plate appearances. He reached base four times, had the two-out RBI single in the first inning, was hit by a pitch and scored a run in the third, uh, had a base hit in the fifth, and then eventually scored on a wild pitch, and then a leadoff double in the seventh inning as well. So uh, Zach Rakusen was certainly the offensive star of the evening for the New Jersey Blasters. And it was certainly a very impressive overall showing for the Blasters. Now, fast forward to Game 2, Saturday night, and that was a little bit more of a pitcher's duel, which is what I think we originally assumed Friday night was going to be, and, and what I ultimately think a lot of the games in this series will look like. Saturday night's starting pitching matchup was Mark Leiter Jr. for the Somerset Patriots against Brandon Liebrandt for the New Jersey Blasters, and both of those two starting pitchers certainly did not disappoint. Mark Leiter Jr. wound up going four innings in his first start, which is the most innings pitched of any pitcher, both on the Patriots and the Blasters, over this first weekend. Uh, he went four innings, did not allow a run on one hit while striking four batters out. Uh, Brandon Liebrandt, who I talked a lot about on last week's pod, certainly building him up as a potential dark horse for the Sparky Lyle Award uh, for the series' top pitcher. Uh, Liebrandt went three scoreless innings, allowing just one hit. Uh, while striking out three batters as well. So very strong starting pitching performances. And it was a low-scoring game on Saturday. So much so that we actually went into extra innings uh, for the first time in the series. Uh, of course, the games were only scheduled to go seven. So once we got into the eighth, it was another. It was an extra inning ball game. And at that point, we finally had a team break through. We were scoreless over those first seven innings. Uh, again, there was some strong relief pitching for the Patriots. Nate Rowe tossed two scoreless frames uh, while striking out one. James Puglis tossed a scoreless top of the seventh inning. 
for the New Jersey Blasters. Alex Vargas made his debut uh, in the SPBS. He tossed three scoreless innings of relief, which was the longest relief appearance for any pitcher, either for the Patriots or the Blasters to this point. Ryan Williamson, again, was dominant. Uh, for me, taking away what happened last weekend, he was arguably the top pitcher that I saw. Um, on Saturday night, another scoreless 1-2-3 inning, this time striking out the side in the bottom of the seventh inning, quite easily, in fact. So we moved on to the eighth with the game scoreless. And because we are trying to expedite things a little bit, especially when we get into extra innings, the Somerset Professional Baseball Series is using the international extra inning rule, uh, which means the last out recorded in the previous inning starts the extra inning off at second base. So in the top of the eighth, it was Mark Shenlugian who led off of second base to begin the frame. Eventually, he stole third and scored on a run-scoring fielder's choice from Louis Martini. So the Blasters, who only recorded one hit in the game on Saturday, it was a base hit from Derek Romberg back in the top of the second inning. They were leading one to nothing, going into the bottom of the eighth, and Ryan Williamson, who got the win for the Blasters on Friday night, was in position to be the winning pitcher again on Saturday night. Vin Aiello came on the mound for the Blasters to record the save in the bottom of the eighth inning. And unfortunately for Blastoid fans, uh, Aiello could not get the job done. Sean Guida began the inning off of second base. Jordan Jackson was the first batter for the Patriots. He dropped down a sacrifice bunt that got Guida over to third. Scott Kelly then drew a walk, stole second base, and with runners at second and third and one away in the bottom of the eighth inning, Carlos Garcia hit a hard-hit ground ball. Uh, to the left side of the infield. Derek Romberg was at third for the Blasters. He dove to his left. The ball deflected off of his glove. It ricocheted into shallow left field, uh, which gave more than enough time for both Guida to score from third, for Kelly to score from second base. And the Patriots, who were held scoreless over the first seven innings of the ballgame and were two outs away from being swept in the opening weekend of the series, which would have been a massive story uh, for the Blasters, the Patriots find a way to win the ballgame Saturday night. It's Carlos Garcia who's the hero. And ultimately, the Patriots walk away with a weekend split with the New Jersey Blasters. In terms of the series leaders through the first week of this uh, of this circuit, we're looking at pretty much Zach Recusen at the top of the leaderboard for a number of offensive categories. He leads the league in runs scored with three. He's tied with Scott Kelly and Dan Valerio with the series lead in hits. Uh, Valerio had a very strong weekend. Uh, he had two RBI in Friday night's ballgame on Saturday night. Uh, as the cleanup batter for the Patriots, he went two for three with a stolen base. Valerio leads the circuit in stolen bases with two as well. Uh, so Zach Recusen, Scott Kelly, um, Dan Valerio, certainly some of the offensive highlights. You could also talk a little bit about Derek Romberg, who did not start Friday night who did get a pinch hit single in Friday night's ballgame and then went one for two Saturday night. Uh, he currently leads the circuit with a 667 batting average. Louis Martini leads the league with three runs batted in. So those are some of your offensive stars from the first week. In terms of pitching, Ryan Williamson certainly impressed me out of the bullpen, but Alex Vargas tossing three scoreless innings out of relief. Nate Rowe, two scoreless innings as a relief pitcher. First night, Billy Lane Jr., Seton Hall product. He's tossed two scoreless innings, striking out four batters as a relief pitcher as well. From a starting standpoint, of course, David Kubiak struggled a little bit more than I think a lot of people originally anticipated. Um, but Mark Leiter Jr., four scoreless innings. He looked very strong. Brandon Liebrand, three scoreless innings. Uh, so really good overall pitching. In fact, after the first weekend of the series, uh, the Patriots team earned run average is 3.60. And the Blasters team ERA is at 1.88. And while I don't know if the numbers will stay that low for the entirety of this series, I would anticipate that we're going to have some more well-pitched games. And, um, you know, there's a possibility that the seven-run outburst from the New Jersey Blasters Friday night, that might be one of the more higher-scoring games that we see in this series. I think there's still a lot to find out. But pitching is probably going to dominate things for the time being. Um, I think that Friday night might be a bit of an outlier. I would certainly keep tabs on all of the pitchers throughout this series moving forward because I think that's where a lot of the gains are going to be made uh, for both of these teams. All right, so when we come back, we'll take a look at this upcoming weekend and see where some adjustments could be made for both these teams, both the Patriots and the Blasters. And then later on in today's episode, we'll have a sit-down interview with Blasters outfielder Zach Recusa. 
You no longer have to choose between an amazing network and an amazing price. When you switch to T-Mobile, you get both. Visit a T-Mobile store or tmobile.com to find out more. The Something Patriots podcast is presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. If you've put off any medical care due to COVID-19, please don't delay it any longer. RWJ Barnabas Health has taken every precaution and continues to provide health care services in adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. This includes stringent cleaning and disinfection throughout all facilities and screening everyone for symptoms and temperature upon entry. Learn more at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Flemington Car and Truck Country. After the latest executive order, Flemington Car and Truck Country is open to sell cars in their showrooms by appointment. Choose from over 16 manufacturer brands, plus over 500 available certified pre-owned vehicles with unprecedented discounted pricing and available financing for qualified buyers as low as 0%. Flemington Car and Truck Country, with eight locations on Routes 202 and 31, is following all CDC guidelines in their showrooms and on delivery to protect and assure both customers and associates. Start your search and make your appointment at Flemington.com. And welcome back to the Something Patriots podcast. Again, my name is Mark Schwartz. Uh, today's episode is airing live on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC, on our new night of Thursday nights at 6 p.m. Uh, and a thank you again to everyone who is tuned in on our podcast platforms as well. All right, so let's look into the storylines heading into week two of the Somerset Professional Baseball Series. Of course, both teams are knotted at one in the standings in the chase for the Joe Torrey Championship Trophy. So this weekend could provide a bit of a pivotal moment for both of these teams to see if there's an opportunity that either one uh, can separate themselves from the other. I mean, we're looking at just a 12-game series between these two teams, and we're already one-sixth of the way into it. So if you sweep a weekend, say hypothetically, if you're the New Jersey Blasters, and you sweep a weekend, that gives you a pretty significant leg up on the Somerset Patriots, or vice versa for that matter. I mean, the Blasters were a couple of outs away from sweeping week one, and the Patriots were able to rally from behind and get the walk-off win on the Saturday night. Uh, but with only 12 games and only playing two games a week, uh, there's not a lot of an opportunity to sort of gain momentum and hold on to it. Uh, so if you can sweep a weekend, uh, that certainly goes a long way. And then another team has to basically sweep a weekend or at least win two games in a row uh, to try to get back on equal footing. So this could be a very important weekend for both of these teams. Uh, but let's start specifically with storylines for the Somerset Patriots. Uh, and there's a number of them. Uh, the first one that pops out to my mind heading into week two is how does Brett Jody make adjustments managing this Somerset Patriots roster? We had Brett, friend of the pod, uh, on last week's episode to talk about his approach going into this new baseball series. And he said pretty honestly, uh, you know, because he was spending a lot of his time down in South Carolina, he did not have the opportunity to get to know a lot of these guys and really get a chance to really know who was being placed on his roster. Uh, of course, there's six former Somerset Patriots that are on the current roster. So Brett's certainly familiar with all of those guys, but there was going to be a learning curve for Brett to, to find out exactly who was on his roster, and he didn't get a chance to really find that out until a couple of days before this series began. And even when he was putting together his lineup card for Friday night's game, uh, that was with a limited batting practice session in mind. Uh, so hopefully for Brett Jody and the Somerset Patriots, uh, Brett has a better understanding after one week of who's on his roster, uh, where it might make sense to play some of these guys moving forward to try to maximize uh, the players that they have on their team. I mean, looking back at week one for the Somerset Patriots, there wasn't a lot of adjustments that were made by Brett Jody uh, from game one into game two. The lineup card remained pretty similar. And the only real change is Justin Pacioli hit second in game one. Uh, Brett dropped him down to the three spot in game two, which wound up working out well because he flipped spots with Carlos Garcia, who hit third in game one. And wound up hitting second in Game 2, and it was Garcia who had the two-run single uh, to give the Patriots a walk-off win Saturday night. 
Uh, aside from that, Dan Valerio and Joey Rose were swapping spots along the infield defensively. Valerio was the starting third baseman on Friday night and then started at first base Saturday night, and the inverse was the case for Joey Rose. Uh, but that was pretty much it for Brett in terms of adjustments from week one to week two. Uh, so we'll certainly see if any more adjustments are made for the Patriots moving forward. If Brett has a better understanding of his roster, and maybe we'll see some different lineup changes to try to act as a catalyst uh, for this lineup moving forward. Uh, another storyline for the Patriots, does David Kubiak bounce back? He once again will be the Friday night starting pitcher for the Patriots. In fact, the pitching matchups this weekend are going to be the same uh, as they were in week one. So it's going to be David Kubiak against Vin Mazzaro Friday night. And then Mark Leiter Jr. against Brandon Liebrandt on Saturday. Uh, Kubiak, of course, uh, an uncharacteristic performance from him Friday night, allowing five earned runs over two and a third innings. But again, this is a guy that had a tremendous amount of success with the Somerset Patriots last year. Uh, Kubiak went 7-1, and one, had a 1.76 ERA, a 0.92 whip, a .173 batting average against uh, so this is a guy that knows how to pitch, and he knows how to pitch in Somerset. So I would expect a big-time bounce back from Kubiak, but that is certainly going to be a big storyline uh, going into Friday night's ballgame. Uh, on the offensive side for the Somerset Patriots, a couple of questions. One, Justin Pacioli had an 0-for-3 performance Saturday night. Overall, on the weekend, he went 1-for-7. Uh, but going into this, Pacioli, at least in my estimation, was probably the front-runner uh, for the Willie Randolph Player of the Series Award uh, for the SPBS. And I know the Patriots are going to depend heavily on Pacioli. Uh, so the question is, where does he fit into the lineup? Uh, do you hit him second and try to get him on base more? Or do the Patriots need more of a middle-of-the-order consistent bat? So does Pacioli bat third? And uh, does the offense start to pick up a little bit for the four-year Patriot um, going into week two? And along those lines, uh, Dan Valerio hit cleanup for the Patriots in both games one and two and came away from the weekend as one of the top overall performers. Tied for the series lead in hits with three, leads the series in stolen bases with two, one of only a handful of guys that had a hit in both games one and two. Uh, so if Valerio can continue to provide some production in the heart of that Patriots lineup, uh, then that will certainly answer one of the bigger question marks for the Patriots which not only in this particular series, but all the time always seems to be who's providing power in the middle of the lineup for the Patriots. I mean, overall, in last weekend, Somerset only had one extra base hit. Uh, that came from Sean Guida. It came in the bottom of the second inning in Saturday night's ballgame off of Brandon Liebrand, and it was a bit of a flared uh, line drive down the left field line that just stayed fair, and Guida, uh, with solid speed, was able to get into second base. But that was the only extra base hit for the Patriots over the entire weekend. So can Dan Valerio provide some of that extra base hit power? Uh, it seems like he's pretty entrenched into the heart of that order. Uh, maybe the Patriots will get some more extra base hit power from guys like Adam Tricarico or Sid Kumar or Joey Rose, um, all three of whom are in the middle of this Patriots lineup, uh, hit five, six, seven respectively in each of the first two games, uh, and all three of whom went hitless over those first two games. So we'll see where the power comes from. It's a storyline that always follows the Patriots even during a normal Atlantic League season. Uh, so that'll certainly be something to watch. Also, uh, potentially for the Patriots this weekend is the return or debut, rather, of catcher Matt O'Neill, a Morristown native, uh, played his high school ball at Seton Hall Prep, his college ball at Pennsylvania University, and he is the lone player in this series that remains with an affiliated club. He was a 20th round draft pick of the New York Mets in 2019. Uh, so will Matt O'Neill make his debut? We knew that he wasn't going to be available last week, but if he can uh, pop into this Patriots lineup, get the start as catcher, uh, he could potentially add some power and also a little bit more stability as a receiver uh, behind home plate for this Patriots pitching staff. In terms of storylines, for the Blasters, um, a couple of things stand out to me. One, uh, who bats leadoff on this team? John Hunton, the manager of the New Jersey Blasters, uh, changed up his leadoff batter between games one and two this past weekend. Mark Shenlugian was the leadoff guy on Friday night for the Blasters. He went 0 for 4 and then swapped spots with Liam MacArthur for game two. Uh, in game one, MacArthur went 1 for 2 in his two plate appearances, but uh, struggled Saturday night going 0 for 4. Uh, oh, for three, rather. He did draw one walk, but he struck out three times as well. So who's going to be the catalyst at the top of this Blasters lineup? 
John Hunt has now had an opportunity to put together two lineup cards in his first two games as a professional baseball manager. So we'll see if he sticks with the combination of Shinlugian and MacArthur, or does he go with somebody else uh, that might be able to get on base with a little bit more regularity, somebody potentially like Louis Martini. Uh, Martini exited week one with three runs batted in. He's the series leader in RBI to this point. Uh, In game one for the Blasters, Martini hit seventh. In game two, he hit second. So maybe Martini's a candidate uh, to bat leadoff as well. Uh, Zach Lipschitz was the number two batter Friday night for the Blasters, and he did not play in Saturday night's ball game, but he certainly could be another top-of-the-order guy for the Blasters if, if John Hunton's still looking to sort of figure out who that leadoff man might be. Uh, another storyline offensively for the Blasters, Martin Figueroa. Uh, he was certainly a catalyst at the beginning of the ball game on Friday night. He drew a walk at each of his first two at bats. Both times came around to score uh, in that 7-2 win for New Jersey. But he was held off the hit column in week one, and he was arguably the highest touted player going into this series on the Blasters roster. He was their first overall draft pick. Uh, when the two teams were constructed before this series began. So if Figueroa can start to add a little bit more production in terms of getting on base and uh, maybe some extra base hits from the middle of the blasters order, uh, then you might have to watch out because the guy that's hitting right behind him, Zach Recusen, had a very strong week one. We already mentioned it on this pod, uh, reached base four times Friday night. Uh, so will Recusen be able to stay hot? And will there be some RBI opportunities for Recusen if the Blasters can solve their question of who bats lead off and if Martin Figueroa um, can start to get hot for this team as well? Uh, after Recusen in the lineup, uh, there are some opportunities for the Blasters to have some pop and maybe a little bit more pop uh, than is currently on the Somerset Patriots roster. Tommy McCarthy had a big RBI double Friday night as a left-handed batter. He seems to have some pop and an opportunity to potentially leave the ballpark. Uh, Rob Calabrese probably came the closest uh, to any player on either side of hitting a home run in this series. On Friday night, he sent a uh, fly ball deep towards the warning track in right field. Saturday night, he sent Justin Pacioli all the way back to make a leaping catch on the warning track just to the left of the batter's eye. Um almost straightaway center field. So Calabrese has shown arguably the most power of any player in the series to this point as he may be the first one to leave the yard and hit the first home run in Somerset professional baseball series history. Uh, Maybe we'll get that this weekend. Uh, We'll have to find out. In terms of pitching for the Blasters, the bullpen was very strong for New Jersey at one point, tossing eight scoreless innings uh, to begin really their franchise history uh, until Vin Aiello came on in extra innings Saturday night, allowed two runs, one of which was earned. Uh, So does the bullpen stay strong? And if so, is there a potential change in closer? I know it's super early, so we can't really jump to any conclusions, but Ryan Williamson, what a weekend it was for the Cranford, New Jersey native. He faced six batters across two appearances. He struck out five of them, did not allow a base runner. Uh, Is there a possibility that Williamson becomes a closer for this team, or does John Hunton utilize uh, the three-time New Jersey State champion in more of an important middle-to-late relief role to get some of the big outs in games. Uh, And then, of course, to piggyback off of that, when it comes to starting pitchers for the Blasters, uh, do we see them extended a little bit further into games now that we have one week under our belt? Uh, Vin Mazzaro went three innings, allowed two runs Friday night for the Blasters. Uh, Brandon Liebrandt went three innings, did not allow a run for the Blasters on Saturday night. So is there a possibility that we're going to see these guys stretched out a little bit more? Um, I certainly think that that could happen. Uh, At the same time, both Brett Jody and John Hunton have made clear that they want to find ways to get all of the pitchers on both of these rosters work every weekend. So if that means making at least one appearance every weekend, that would probably mean that the starting pitchers couldn't go too deep into ballgames. I mean, you could theoretically get to the point where David Kubiak and Mark Leiter Jr. and Brandon Liebrand and even Vin Mazzaro are starting to pitch really well. And you could warrant having them pitch five or six innings once their arms start to get stretched out a little bit more. Uh, But because we're only playing seven-inning games, and because we're only playing these games twice a weekend over a six-week stretch, if the starting pitchers start going five or six innings, that's not going to open the door for a lot of opportunities for these relief pitchers. And Brett Jody and John Hunton both want to make sure that these guys get work uh, so they're seen by any scouts that are in attendance or that are watching the broadcasts and that they have a positive experience and that 
from an evaluation standpoint that Brandon John are able to really see them in live action and see if any of these guys make sense for future Somerset Patriots rosters. So it's going to be a dynamic that we're going to have to follow uh, this weekend. This upcoming weekend will be the first opportunity for us to see if the starting pitchers are stretched out a little bit more. Does that then provide less opportunities for these relief pitchers? Or do Brett Jody and John Hunton, the two respective managers in this series, continue to limit the innings for their starting pitchers, even if it's potentially at the detriment of winning the game, to make sure that a lot of these relief pitchers on both teams that are very talented uh, and had really strong weekends, uh, respectively, this past Friday and Saturday, do they make sure that those relief pitchers get their work in as well? Uh, so that will be another overall storyline for us to follow. And maybe this week, this upcoming weekend will be our first window into exactly how both of these managers um, will utilize those strategies moving forward. All right, so no predictions, but those are the storylines going into week two. Uh, we'll take a break here. When we come back, we'll have my interview with Blasters outfielder and former Somerset Patriots outfielder, Zach Rakusen. Whatever this season brings, you'll be there for the Patriots, and TD Bank will be there for you. Bank 24-7, online, or on the TD app. Or talk to a human by phone anytime. TD Bank, unexpectedly human. Visit tdbank.com. TD Bank, America's most convenient bank. Member FDIC, TD Bank, N.A. The Something Patriots podcast is also presented by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is making it easier to see a doctor from home and cutting your costs so you can get the care you need. Here for you now and always. Learn more at horizonblue.com slash always. The Something Patriots podcast is presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. If you've put off any medical care due to COVID-19, please don't delay it any longer. RWJ Barnabas Health has taken every precaution and continues to provide healthcare services in adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. This includes stringent cleaning and disinfection throughout all facilities and screening everyone for symptoms and temperature upon entry. Learn more at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together. All right, and welcome back to the Something Patriots podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz, and today I have the pleasure of being joined alongside, and I think I could say this, star outfielder for the New Jersey Blasters, Zach Recusen. Zach, how's it going, man? Mark, appreciate you having me on. It's uh, it's good to be here and uh, happy to, to chat with you. Yeah, well, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, right now, we are sitting at TD Bank Ballpark looking out on a beautiful Wednesday afternoon. You guys are about ready to get set for another practice, and I mean, before we get started with too much of the nitty-gritty and everything going on, how does it feel to be back? I mean, you get to come to a baseball ballpark again and, and just play the game you love. How does it feel? It feels really good. Uh, I was talking about it with my parents a little bit. It's surreal because at one point during the game, I think for the fans, the same thing happened, but definitely for us uh, as players, um, like I was, I caught myself in right field kind of being like, what what are we doing? Like what am I doing here again? Like is that this isn't the Atlanta? Like what what is the season? Like you can't you, you know in the course of the game you're focused on playing and your process, but um, I would be lying if I said that everything felt totally normal. It's it's a beautiful summer night and you know there's only 500 people here instead of what you know normally is you know a, a number of thousands. So it's but that being said, um, I think it's like a weight's lifted off all our shoulders for for a number of reasons, people go out and play and, and perform in front of these fans and kind of get some normalcy returned. Yeah, it's this weird dynamic, and I was talking about it with some of my friends and family this weekend also. It's like you, you we are providing this distraction for a lot of people. And, and for you and for the players, it's a distraction from everything else that's been going on in the world. And then when you come out, there's still some of those subtle reminders that you know this is a distraction and it feels great to be back. But like you said... Normally, a Friday night and an opening night at TD Bank Ballpark would have over 6,000 fans, not 500. You played with the team in 2017, so you've seen some of those larger crowds. Is it a weird dynamic for you to be on the field, to be like, I'm doing what I love, 
and it feels like it's normal, but at the same time, there's this little thought that's in the back of my head that you know things aren't quite the way that they normally are. Uh, there's definitely a mixed, a mixed, you know, mixed emotions and and kind of a mixed bag. Uh, as far as the what you get used to as a minor league baseball player, honestly, is just approaching every game and every opportunity you have to put a uniform on, as that might be the last game I ever play. Um, mm. It's it's a hard concept to grasp for college guys or amateur guys, but I talk about it a lot with my academy and guys that I'm around. That mindset kind of helps in situations like this because you're just used to kind of taking every game as its own, um, not looking past that because there's a lot that we don't have control over as athletes, as baseball players. Um, this this summer and this year is a particularly, particularly cruel version of <laughs> not having control over your you know, your current state and whatnot. But um, it's it's great to be out here, honestly. I, I think something that might have been glossed over a little bit is because all of these players that are here are local guys. The majority yes. of them are Jersey guys, some, some city guys, and I think a couple PA guys. But um, it's a testament to the quality of the baseball player that New Jersey produces. And we have a ton of talent in this state. Um, whether it be in college baseball, in high school baseball, or as you see, professional baseball. And I, I'm proud to be part of that because it's something that we don't get enough love nationally. Um, mm. And this is a state that's produced Cy Young Award winners in the last few years, MVPs in the last you know few years at the highest levels of, of the game. And so it's, it's great to be able to put this product out for the fans, but also, you know, from a baseball industry perspective. I mean, we, we have a lot of dudes here that can still really play. Oh, it's been great to see. I, I completely agree with you. The level of talent here, I think it catches some people by surprise. You know, generally speaking for Patriots fans, when the rosters are announced, you see a lot of New Jersey guys and people that are plugged in to the high school baseball scene in New Jersey really understand a lot of these names. But for some people who might not, they might see guys who used to play for the Patriots, yourself included, and then a lot of names that they might not be familiar with and what they don't understand is that this is a high level of talent that's playing. And, and I think we saw evidence of that really in this first weekend. Um, so it, it was it was great to see. I, I want to get into your path a little bit, your story, Zach, um, because I do think that that's interesting. I think some of our fans will appreciate that. Of course, yourself being a New Jersey guy, um, you know, you went to a couple of different colleges <laughs> before you eventually landed in Georgetown. Um, can you talk me through that process of starting off in community college in, in what was it, Maryland, and, and then going to Marist College, which is a, a D1 school, a member of the MAC conference, and then eventually Georgetown, which then led you to your opportunity here in Somerset? Well, knowing we only have, I think, 20 to 25 minutes, I'm going to try to keep it as short as <laughs> I can. Give me the Cliff can. Notes version of that. Um, I actually didn't start off at a community college. Okay. I came out of high school and went to Emory University, a Division three school in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, at Gill in New Jersey, I was a, a first-team all-county two-way guy. I was a pretty successful high school pitcher. Um, I didn't throw that hard. I was probably like 84 to 86, but I got a lot of guys out. Um, you know, I was a four-pitch mix pitcher in high school and had aspirations of doing that at, at the collegiate level as a two-way guy. Um, I got to Emory in the fall of 2000 and. Jeez, let me see. The fall of 2012, and um, two weeks into can't two weeks into fall workouts, uh, I Jones fractured uh, my left foot metatarsal in my left foot, so I broke a bone in my foot and they had to put a screw put in, and basically was non weight bearing in a cast up to my thigh because that's what they have to do when they when you repair a Jones fracture. But to be quite honest. Um, I felt that I still could play at the Division One level, um, and so I finished up my rehab. I knew I had a year left of eligibility to play with if I got like if I got a medical redshirt that season, mm. which I was eligible for. And what what kind of was so having that in the back of my head, I knew that that was an option. Um, and what really kind of sent me over the edge was my head coach there watching me hit in the spring post-surgery kind of as I was going, you know, through the end of my rehab, uh, telling me I would never be a successful hitter at the division three level. And that head coach, I believe is still there, but that was something that was told to me. And this was like one of the first times I, he had seen me hit as a healthy 
college freshmen. So you had the chip on your shoulder pretty early. I've had, I mean, I've had a chip on my shoulder for a a very long time and probably going back farther than that. But (laughs) once I was told that I was like, well, I already feel I can play at a higher level than this. It doesn't bother me that you're labeling me with that. I'm just going to leave. And when you want to leave a division three school with no, no, I got the, I got the year back eligibility wise Mm because I had the injury. Um, once you want to leave a D3 school and go to a D1 school with no numbers, you have to go to a junior college. You have to, you can't just transfer in somewhere. No one will take you. So you have to put up numbers at a JUCO. So uh, I basically reached out to virtually what I think is like every junior college on the East Coast. <laughs> um, it's funny because I do, I do college recruiting for guys now uh, with my academy and my, my business, but that's kind of where I, you know, built my chops on that because I figured out how to take video, send information, exchange information with college coaches, kind of build up an online pl- platform profile for yourself. And that was in 2014. So that was a little bit before all this stuff got really popular mm-hmm. um, and ended up getting a bid from a pretty good junior college program in Baltimore, uh, CCBC Essex. And, and Mike Carter recruited me, gave me a shot to play. Uh, I was an academic All-American there. I was an All-Region guy and um, and got a few Division One offers out of that and had, had a really successful year. Uh, Marist offered me, you know, I took it, uh, played there for two years. And knowing I had that year of eligibility in my back pocket, where in the NCAA, if you want to pursue a different master's program than what your school offers, you can get, you can walk, basically. You can mm. transfer without any uh, restrictions for that fifth year. Um, and, you know, Marist gave me the opportunity to play every day, and I was grateful for that. Um, but, Having played in this in the Calrip and Collegiate League in 15 and 16 down in DC, I got to know Georgetown's guys really well. A lot of those guys were in that that league. I mean, I, I had a I was I broke a bunch of records in that league. I had really a lot of success, um, and I knew that that they had a business met like a business masters with a with a focus in sports management that they had available. Uh, Maris didn't offer that, and you know, I kind of was willing to roll the dice again because <laughs> once you start rolling the dice once as an athlete you kind of get numb to it and you don't worry so much about well what can happen if i jump around a little bit it's like you know try to find the best opportunity to continue ascending levels and um you know got into georgetown had a really good year and, and kind of have kept coming to here yeah so let, so let's get to that part of the that part of the zach recusen story uh so you made your professional debut i believe i have the the date right here is with the Somerset Patriots on July 9th, uh, 2017. So after you had finished up that final season over in Georgetown. And if my memory serves me right, I believe you lined an RBI double to left center field on that first at bat. I think it was against the Sugarland Skeeters. It was. Um, so can you talk me through uh, what that experience was like for you to not only <laughs> how, you, how you got to Somerset, uh, but to find out that you were in the starting lineup that day. Um, and then in your first at bat to have an RBI double, and what I'm assuming was in front of some family and friends, uh, either in the ballpark or, or watching the broadcast. 100%. Um, yeah, I think Jake Jake Hale hung a two-two slider after like a still ten, remember like a the pitch. pitch at bat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I remember sitting on it and not I, I kind of sold out to it after like seven or eight pitches. I fouled off. Um, it's funny because. I talked to John a bunch that summer. Um, I had a re- I had a really good spring at Georgetown. Like I really led the spring. Big East in the region yeah. and a bunch of stuff, and you know didn't get the call on draft day. Um, was that a surprise to you? Were you anticipating? I had talked to a bunch of teams, but being around the industry now, uh, a few years in, many people talk to a bunch of teams mm. and end up not getting anything. Um, did some workouts with some teams in the Midwest with some Frontier League guys and American Association guys. And uh, the thing is, the way, the way independent baseball works a lot in the industry is it's, it's that classic old thing where you need to have experience playing for teams to get looks with other teams. And yeah. even though you might have the talent, it's tough to break in initially because those guys with experience are always going to get jobs before you. So... Um, what ended? I came to a couple workouts. John, you know, John and Brett having workout, and they went really well. Um, knowing what Somerset is and coming up around here and growing up in Morris County, like I never actually really expected Somerset to be the first gig, just because of. I mean, I I grew up coming to games here, and I remember watching like 
many ex-big league and AAA and vetted guys that uh, were here. So I just kind of assumed, okay, maybe this will lead to something. Maybe they can make a call, get me into a Frontier League team or something like that, um, you know, where the, the average age is a little bit younger. And ultimately, the day after I worked out the second time with them, Greg Gol- Goalie, Greg Golson, yeah. got hit in the hand with a pitch and broke his hand. I'm actually really, really close with Greg now. Um, he was actually on my podcast that I was report <laughs> that I was recording uh, with Rax Hacks over the pa- over the quarantine. He's a great guy. He's Greg. a great guy. He's one of my favorites. And um, and John was like, "Hey, we have a need, so you know, come and." Well, def- it was the last game before the All-Star break. And so he was like, come, and if you do well, you know, maybe there will be something else. And had a good game. And, and, I mean, the experience of playing that game was, was crazy. But, um, you know, luckily that kind of turned into some more opportunities. And then that's just kind of how this thing keeps rolling is you, you try to take advantage of as many chances as you can get in front of people. So you, play, you, you played with the Somerset Patriots in 2017, uh, 17 games with the team that year, four runs batted in. Uh, five runs scored since that point. Uh, you've bounced around a little bit. Chicago Dogs in 2018, Lake Erie Crushers. Uh, Chicago being in the American Association, Lake Erie in the Frontier League. Uh, last year played primarily with Lake Erie. Uh, strong numbers, 274 batting average, 33 runs batted in. Um, six stolen bases, 31 runs scored over 93 games. And then that brings us to 2020 and how wild and crazy this year has been. Um, we were talking a little bit before uh, we came on the air. Uh, you were originally signed to play with the New York Boulders in the can. In, well, what would now, have been the Can Am League and now the Frontier League because right. of because of the merger. Right. Um, and then, of course, COVID nineteen hit. Uh, the whole baseball world, the whole world in general, was sort of flipped upside down. And, and sort of here we are. So, can you talk me through what your experiences have been this specific off season and? I guess, leading into a couple of the tryouts or a couple of the workouts, rather, that you first attended uh, with John Hunted and the Patriots, I guess, back in, was it late May or yeah, early, early June? June yeah. Um, well, as far as you know, go- dealing with the pandemic, I don't think any of us really expected it to, be- to work out the way that it did, um, which, you know, many people have said. Uh, it's... It's been a challenge to stay ready because of all these restrictions and not being able to access gyms and facilities. You know, I kind of mentioned it, but like I run an academy up in up in northern New Jersey, and dealing with that while I play um, is always a an you know a unique opportunity and a unique challenge. Um, having it shut down forcibly because of the because of you know COVID nineteen that kind of kept me busy throughout the quarantine because we do a lot of remote programming and remote platforming with guys. Um, and so that was still, I was still able to kind of focus on that kind of launch the podcast and do a little bit. Mm. Um, and you know, on a YouTube channel and stuff like that and brought in a lot of other pros and, you know, kind of put out content, but, um, it's, it's been, you know, it's been a unique opportunity. I think a lot of professional guys, kind of had a gut check time during this whole ordeal because you know people who need the money or people who just need that that constant fuel of this is what I'm doing right now where that when they have to stand away and and kind of experience the game apart from it and not really know what's coming um, I, I think unfortunately you're gonna see a lot of guys retire and a lot of guys kind of kick the tires on, on what they're really doing. And so it's, it's, it's important for us to show, you know, as individuals, but also as an organization that like we can get the product back on the field. Um, because with everything going on in the game right now, you know, we don't want less guys to have opportunities to play. Um, but John, John reached out in in early June was like, you know, we're we're trying to put some workouts together. And at the time I'm thinking, okay, well, at least it's something on a baseball field with, (laughs) with baseball players and to hit, not in a cage and not off a machine and, and hit you know with, with real human beings on, on an actual space, um, and that was great and that we just kind of kept that thing rolling and um, we had heard nothing from the Frontier League for like two and a half months. We heard we'd heard some delays. You know we're going to be delayed. Then at one point there was like forty five days we didn't hear anything. Most of the guys around the league, I still, I'm in touch with a lot of people from different organizations. We basically knew this wasn't looking good. Yeah. Um, and when all of that started materializing, you know, we kind of figured that this thing at Somerset might be the only thing, and um, and you know, kind of leave it to Somerset to do this because this 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 is 
this is a challenge, but this is the type of organization that's capable of putting that together and, and you know, getting the product back on the field. But, um, you know, I really enjoyed my time in Lake Erie. Uh, I was there all in 19 and the back half of 18. Um, and that, that coaching staff actually all left and took jobs with the Tigers organization. So when that kind of happened, um, it was kind of you. It, it was kind of mutual. Like you know, if I can get back home and play for one of these teams over here, well, like, you know, it's kind of easier to run the business and <laughs> kind of stay in touch with clients and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then, but now with Somerset, hopefully the the goal is if there's a, a continued Atlantic League, uh, you know, true Atlantic League regular season next year, you know, hopefully this opportunity can lead to more. Well, I, I wanted to get to that also because, you know, you're a familiar name around here. You played with the team in 2017. But, you know, this opportunity in 2020 between in what we're calling the Somerset Professional Baseball Series uh, between the Patriots and the Blasters, you're on the Blasters team, but everyone's basically signed as the Somerset Patriot um, for this series how big of an opportunity is this? I mean, you mentioned before that, you know, there's a lot of guys that might be thinking about retirement. There aren't a lot of opportunities for guys to play around the country. So uh, to not only have the opportunity to play here, but to be, you know, to be hitting fourth in a familiar ballpark in a familiar area um, and potentially be playing. I mean, is that something that's in your head? Are you are you playing for a future spot? What's this opportunity really mean for you? Um Again, I, I think it's it goes back to you never looking past that that game you're in or the moment you're in and being where your feet are. Um, so not looking in the future too far ahead. But yeah, if this is an <laughs> opportunity that's available next year and there's any way of earning that in this you know 12 game series, then 100. percent I'm trying to put my best foot out there and trying to show this organization that I, I do you know have a lot of value to add and. Um, and I was always really appreciated the appreciative of them for giving me that shot in 17. Um, and you know, being a local guy and growing up around here, it, it means more. It really does. Um, it's hard to understand for a lot of people what independent league baseball really is. And when you come to the Atlantic league and you see the type of guy that's around here, um, it's, it's a very meaningful thing. I mean, there, there are a lot of opportunities that can come out of playing in the Atlantic League, and it's just a, it's just a first-class organization. So, uh, you know, definitely, definitely, if this is an audition, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, try to take advantage of it and, 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 you know, make the most of that opportunity. And that's something that I've prided myself on throughout my career is just trying to take advantage of these opportunities. Well, if this is an audition, uh, then you made quite the initial impression on Friday night uh, in the first game of this series, going three for three from the plate, uh, four plate appearances, reaching base all four times. Uh, you, in fact, recorded the first hit, not only of this series, but we can say it was the first hit of professional baseball in the state of New Jersey in 2020 uh, the first run batted in in the state of New Jersey in 2020 as well um, overall you know you scored three runs in the ball game as well it was it was quite the first game uh, which I think came as a little bit of a surprise for people not because it was from you but because I think there's an anticipation that live hitting is going to be a little bit behind live pitching when you haven't necessarily seen a lot of live pitching to begin with so for you I guess, what was the preparation that went into that game and, and how did it feel to be back on the field? Well, it felt amazing to be back on the field and just playing in front of fans, even just experiencing the anthem and, and standing on. There's, there's certain things you, you get used to as a professional baseball player that you never take for granted. Uh, I mean, you never really take any of it for granted, but especially just, you know, hearing your name called, you know, trotting out there. It was still an opening day experience where they announce yeah. your name and you go out there and you, well, in this sense, I guess we uh, socially distance high fives <laughs> from a, a safe space away from each other. Um, and it was a, it was a national anthem like none other because we were spread out so far and it was just different. But, um, you know, I'm lucky enough to be, you know, built into kind of a network around North Jersey and South Jersey where there's a lot of pro guys and there were a lot of guys floating around and, in, in March and April. And even though we were, you know, respecting the rules and, and making sure that we were doing everything safely, um, you know, there were still guys that were, you know, looking to throw live and getting out on fields. Now we, we had to, you know, we had to find some locations outside where we could do that in the cold and even towards, you know, May and May and early June. But, um, you know, we were still able to get some live, live hitting in, um, I mean, it was, it, first of all, it was great to win the game. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> and 
the seven two win. It was a good, really good win. Um, it was odd winning at Somerset but not hearing the crowd that happy about it. And I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I had to look down, and I'm wearing a gray jersey, and we're not wearing the white and blue. And, um, but our pitching staff did really well. I mean, Vinny, Vinny really shoved. Vinny's, you know, always good for a quality start. Um, you know, guys that came out of the pen, you know, looked really good. Um, I think Lepresti might have pitched that night. Lepresti's very solid. Um, he's one of those – he's another North Jersey guy that kind of stayed in touch with over the, over the quarantine and um, – you know, Williamson throws really well. You know, our, our guys, our guys did a great job, and unfortunately, we couldn't, you know, couldn't stick the second night win. But um, you know, a lot of talent all around on the mound and at the plate for for these teams. And um, you know, it's 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 just the question of getting the reps and getting back acclimated. And there's going to be a learning curve, especially when you're seeing really good arms like like you know the Patriots have. But um, you know, there's there's no. There's no learning curve. There's no challenge that a baseball player wouldn't want to tackle right now, given the sense <laughs> that we didn't know if he would be playing at all this year. Oh, absolutely. Six weeks ago. Absolutely. Um, sort of one of the last questions I, I want to get you out on, I, and you just mentioned it before. What does it feel like to be a blaster? I mean, you, you have the experience of being a Patriot, and from a front office standpoint, we're trying to treat both teams as equals, and we're trying to <laughs> – play the walk-up music for both teams, sure. and, and granted the Blasters are in the third base dugout and are wearing gray uniforms, not home whites. Um, but I guess for for you and for a lot of your teammates now, you know, what what is this like? I mean, what, what's it like? Describe being a Blaster. It's different. It's it's somehow, it's similar. It's, it's like bizarre. It's like if anyone watches Seinfeld, it's like being the Bizarro yeah. World Somerset <laughs> Patriots, like, like Bizarro World Jerry, um, where everything is the same, but a little bit different. Mm. Um, the water, it tastes a little bit different than it does on the first base side. The walk is a little bit longer in the clubhouse tunnel. Some guys think it's a lot longer in the clubhouse tunnel. I kind of I kind of agree with them. Um, well, you enter through the player's entrance on the first base entrance, side. And then you're just like, you're used to taking like 15 strides and your stuff's in your locker. And this time it's like, it's more yeah. like, you know, 500. But um, no, it's, it's, like I said, it's a it's a blessing to be out here and to be able to play in front of uh, in front of fans and and just you know put a smile back on people's faces underneath their masks and just try to get baseball going again in this state. Um, I think all of us have a lot of pride in the sense that you know wherever it is, wherever we are in 15, 20 years, our kids, our grandkids, that we'll be able to talk to them about what happened in 2020 and there'll be a little bit of a footnote that was like, just so you know, uh, (laughs) when professional sports returned to the great state of New Jersey, that we were involved with that and we played in front of some fans and and we put on a good, put on a good show for people. So I like that. Um, like always with the Patriots and, and you know this organization, it's always a good show and it's always a really professionally well done experience. Well, I, I think that's a good place to end this conversation. Zach, it was a pleasure watching you this past weekend. Um, and especially on Friday night, getting off to such a hot start. Uh, Best of luck, continued success, and thanks so much for stopping by. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Mark. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by NJM. At NJM, we understand the hardships you might be going through right now. That's why we're offering payment relief. We'll continue providing you protection no matter what tomorrow brings. Because dealing with uncertainties is our business. This isn't just insurance, it's NJM. The Something Patriots podcast is presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. If you've put off any medical care due to COVID-19, please don't delay it any longer. RWJ Barnabas Health has taken every precaution and continues to provide health care services in adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. This includes stringent cleaning and disinfection, throughout all facilities and screening everyone for symptoms and temperature upon entry. Learn more at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Flemington Car and Truck Country. After the latest executive order, Flemington Car and Truck Country is open to sell cars in their showrooms by appointment. Choose from over 16 manufacturer brands, plus over 500 available certified pre-owned vehicles with unprecedented discounted pricing and available financing for qualified buyers as low as 0%. 
Flemington Car and Truck Country, with eight locations on Routes 202 and 31, is following all CDC guidelines in their showrooms and on delivery to protect and assure both customers and associates. Start your search and make your appointment at Flemington.com. And welcome back to the Something Patriots podcast. Again, my name is Mark Schwartz. A huge thank you to Zach Rakusen, who took the time to sit down and have a chat with me about his road to Somerset and how this new professional baseball series has been for him so far. Uh, Again, a reminder in case you missed it, new episodes of this podcast will continue to be aired live on our new time slot of Thursday nights at 6 p.m. on 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com. And the online versions will be distributed uh, on Thursdays as well. Be sure to tune in to the live broadcast of both the Patriots vs. Blasters games this weekend. Uh, We'll have the radio call on 1450 WCTC and a live video broadcast on YouTube.com slash Somerset Patriots. But that's it for this week's episode. Enjoy the games again this weekend, uh, and we'll be back with another new episode next Thursday. Thank you for listening to the Something Patriots podcast. The Somerset Patriots would like to thank the presenting sponsor of the podcast, RWJ Barnabas Health. They would also like to thank the supporting sponsors, TD Bank and Flemington Car and Truck Country, with proud sponsorship from T-Mobile, NJM Insurance, Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, and NJIT. Other thanks go to Flemington Department Store, AARP New Jersey, Sanofi, and Financial Resources Federal Credit Union all valued partners of the Somerset Patriots. The Something Patriots podcast airs live on the voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC and on WCTCAM.com every Thursday night from 6 to 7 p.m. with the archived versions also available for download on SomersetPatriots.com and on participating podcast platforms. The show is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.